Laura. Dueling Genre Productions presents. Oh my God! Do you see that? When a freak accident strikes McKinney City, ordinary citizens are given amazing abilities. I can move things with my mind. Oh my God! I'm flying. I can fly. I can teleport, and I can fly. Super senses. What, like Daredevil? We are just playing fast and loose with this whole science thing today, aren't we? Now there are villains. Billy, when you have an arch nemesis, do you just kill them immediately? No. You tie the ropes just loose enough so that they can keep escaping. That way, when you finally do win the day, you can sleep well knowing that you rose to the challenge. Your brain works differently than other people's, doesn't it? And heroes. Leah Markowitz, Gwendolyn Allen, Jeffrey Gibson, Mindy Gibson, Simon Holt, Splendid, you're all here. I'm going to make you all into superheroes. Screw it. Let's go save the day. The powerful. After I drain everyone here, McKinney City will be mine. I'm going to show this whole city what real passion truly is. And the underdogs. You're all imagining me as a singing, dancing chipmunk right now, aren't you? The people in that store need help, and we can help them in a way no one else can. We have great power, which means they're our responsibility. I mean, Jesus, what's the point of having five freaking Spider-Man movies if we can't even learn to do that? Geek by Night, an original podcast series about five friends running a comic book store with superpowers. You're really going to keep running a comic book shop while trying to be superheroes? It might not always be easy, but I think the world could use a few more underdogs. Available at DuelingGenre.com and podcast apps everywhere. We solemnly swear we're up to no good. Welcome back, everybody. Is that yeah? Welcome back, everybody, to Harry Potter Minute, the fan podcast where we overanalyze the Harry Potter movies one magical minute at a time. I'm Gary Roby. I'm Victoria Laguna, and we have Norman Mitchell with us again. Thank you for being here, Norman. Yeah, no problem. This has been a great week. Yeah, I'm having a really good time. I'm so glad that you've uh, that you've come back every day this week so far. We've only got two minutes left to cover. I know guys. it's sad, but it, you know there's seven more movies. There, there are seven lots movies. of opportunities. Yes, yes. If um, if we were to bring you back for Chamber of Secrets, is there a part of Chamber of Secrets that you are particularly fond of? Um. See now that movie overall, I don't remember super well. But if I was going to choose something to come back for, it would be uh. The Tom Marvolo Riddle, uh, Riddle reveal. Yeah, that's a great moment. I it like when, when he when he conjures his name in the air and rearranges the letters. In the book, when I read that for the first time, it blew my mind. I was just like, <laughs> "What? Like, Whoa, this guy blowing. we've been yes, this guy that we've been like that Harry's sort of developing a relationship with through this diary, the whole yeah, yeah, context the whole of the book that like, oh my God, he's actually been the bad guy. What? What? 
Yeah. I read, I read, uh, someone pointed out that in, since the book is interpreted in many different languages for, <gasps> for other countries, that in <gasps> France, they had to make Tom Riddle's middle name Elvis. Yes. That's fascinating. His, his so name that, and- like, so it would, like, rearrange in the way that it needed to. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cause- because, because in other languages, it wouldn't say, I am Lord Voldemort. Like, yeah, English, exactly. I am. So, Ooh. You need different letters, yeah. so and I, th- I think it's I think it's French. I think it's in France. He's got yeah. his middle name is Elvis. Yeah, nice. in in French in in the French printings of the book, his name is Tom Elvis Jedesor. Uh, so I that like it translates that. to uh, so it translates to Je suis Voldemort. <laughs> I yeah. like that a lot, Elvis. Uh, and in, in Spanish, his name is Tom Sorvolo Riddle, and Riddle is spelt with a Y, so it can be Soy Lord Voldemort. Oh, that's hilarious. That's awesome. Hey, but that that middle name sounds cool, though. I like right? that middle name. I like that one. Not Elvis, not so much. That sounds that just sounds hilarious. And of course, and and of course, that whole trick doesn't work in Japanese. No, it does not at all. Uh, not even remotely. Not even remotely. <laughs> not even a little. That's fascinating. But yeah, Elvis. I never really thought about that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, okay. How funny is that, right? Well, uh, we've got several months before we start scheduling for the next, uh, for the next show, but we'll, we'll make it work. We'll, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> I'd be excited to talk about that. Okay, well, today, today, because we're still in Sorcerer's Stone, we are talking about minute 94. 94. 94. Starts with Harry smiling at the sight of his parents, and it ends with Harry dragging Ron out of bed. Um, my very first note comes slightly too early, right at the very beginning of this minute, like right, right when it starts, I had it paused and I wrote the note, would kids recognize these two as Harry's parents? And then at like two seconds into the minute, Harry goes, mom, like, like he makes it, you know, and she nods. And so it's like, oh, like, like as if the mirror can hear, it, right? It, yeah. As if the reflection of this projection of his desire can hear him, and that's evidence that the magic of the mirror before modifications by Dumbledore can be interacted with in a certain way. Yes, yes, because he is he is communicating with this reflection he's seeing, even though it is just something that is that is conjured by his desires by his heart by his mind by his uh his thoughts that are reflected back at him um so he he looks at his mom and he looks at his dad and uh he he comes to realize that like oh these are his parents i actually i have conflicting emotions about harry's parents here because they're too old um, Are they aged up to where they would be? In no, no, they're not. Because in the books, Harry's parents are only twenty-one when they die. Uh but the movies take place ten years later in the timeline than they would in the books. Like in the books, this story takes place in the nineties. Like it starts in like ninety. 
Because uh, no, the... it ends in ninety-seven, right? Yeah, in the story yeah. that is in the book. Uh, ninety-eight, because this year, two thousand seventeen, is the nineteen years later that the epilogue happens. Ah. So. The first book must start in 1990. Like, his first year at Hogwarts is the year of 1991. So, so the movie ages that by 10 years because when we see all the cars and vehicles on Privet Drive in the very beginning of this movie, uh, they're all circa 2000 uh, year models of cars. So, it looks like they've just extended the time period between the graduation of Harry's parents and their death. So Voldemort's kind of rise to power took took a longer amount of time in the series. That's the only reason that I could accept that, like, may, okay, maybe they could be in their early 30s, this yeah, reflection. I mean, I mean age-wise, if, like, if, if uh, Lily and James all went to, to school together with, uh, with Snape, at, at this point in the book, Snape is supposed to be 33. Yeah. Obviously, Alan Rickman is not thirty three. No, he's not. So 33. I don't know. Everyone's age yeah, is so kind of Yeah, so these parents like are definitely his parents are definitely not screwy. early twenties. I am. Uh, I guess even as a kid reading the books, I didn't really understand the idea that like his parents were so young when they died, and I think showing. An 11-year-old Harry standing next to his parents who look like they're 21. Uh, it would be harder to grasp the idea that, like, oh, these are his parents. Yeah, because 21 well, no, they and have 11, to be. like, yeah, they have to be older. You need to have a more significant difference in age. Yeah. Yeah, they so, have to be aged up but, to, like, but what they would it, be with him being 11. But so, even then, they would be thirty three, and they don't look thirty three. No, they look older than that. Well, but but if they yeah, look, people like, age at different rates. I mean, I've definitely <laughs> okay, definitely known okay, some people in their but, early thirties that look like they're forty. If the reflection <laughs> of the mirror is showing Harry, how, it's not only is it showing Harry's parents as they would look. But it's showing Harry's parents as they would look 10 years after they died. Yeah. Like, that's... Not only does it have this, like, sort of legitimacy where it's, like, kind of reading into Harry to determine like... its heart's desire, but it's also got, like, a divination property because it's showing what would have what would been. Have been. A future yeah. that would have been. Um, yeah. Or but, but we know that that's that not the case been. because... Yeah, I guess. That's, that's, I guess that's and, and, closer to the truth because Voldemort could have simply chosen to go to the Longbottom residence. Yes, yes, yes. I agree with that, which I think is interesting. It's it. It could it could work, but the the only other the other trouble that I have with this is is Harry had a flashback, um, in the Leaky Cauldron early in this movie before he got in the Hogwarts Express, in which he 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 remembered the death of his mother. And she doesn't look 21 in the time of her death either. Yeah. She looks the same age as she does here. Like, I think it's projecting how old they were when they died. And then, again, at the very end of the series, when Harry is using the resurrection, when Harry has all three of the the Deathly Hallows on his presence, Mm -hmm. 
And uh, the resurrection stone conjures the images of people that have died. And so he sees his parents and he sees Lupin and he's no, not Lupin yet, but he sees his parents and he sees Sirius um, as he's going to confront Voldemort in the forest. And he sees his parents as the same thing. Adults grown, like much older than they should have been at the time of their death. Yeah. I don't know. It bothers me, but only like a little bit. Yeah. It's not like a major thing. But I think it would be more, I think it's more heartbreaking to think about the fact that, like, not only were Harry's parents murdered by Voldemort, but they were still young. They were still really early in their life. Yeah, they had yeah. so much they could have done. They had a lot of potential for mm-hmm. what they were going to continue doing with mm-hmm. their work. I think it, it kind of explains the reverence a little bit more of, like, the Potters were these great, bright, full of potential uh, individuals when they passed. It sucks. I yeah, know. they aged everybody. It's sad. I mean, Peter. I mean, Peter, Peter Pettigrew. We know also went to school with them. Obviously, mm-hmm. like they are all older. And same with Lupin. Be. When we see Lupin, later. yeah, they're and all older. Serious, yeah, exactly. But Lupin and Lupin and Pettigrew look like fifty. Yeah, yeah, they look way older. Mm-hmm. And they shouldn't be that old. No. No, the aging of this is really complicated. Yeah. It's like these people are all supposed to go to school together. I still <laughs> and they all kind of look despite like they're different that, ages. I really like all the casting that they do for everyone that's part of that group. I just think it's funny that like when certain actors get like associated with each other because the same thing the one thing that happened to me like, you know, years and years later on is watching mm-hmm. the movie Sweeney Todd. And you oh, get sure. and you get Alan Rickman and the guy who played Peter Pettigrew mm-hmm. in the same movie, and it's just like, what's going, what's going <gasps> on here? What? Huh? huh? I just like with Alan Rickman, it's a little bit easier. You can see him in other things. He's he was he was very versatile, uh, and not have that whole like uh, thinking he's a different character from another movie, like taking you out of it. But with the the guy who plays Peter Pettigrew, I only see Peter Peter Pettigrew. Peter Pettigrew. Yeah. Every time I see him, I'm like, no, that's all you are to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Takes me away from everything, from anything I that I've seen I don't think I've seen much in. else he's done, but I would have to look and he's not going to be important for two more movies, so. That's true. Uh, I get really upset. He's sleeping with Harry, Harry, Harry identifies these two as his parents. And then he reaches out and he like touches the mirror. And then, uh. It's very sad. The reflection. It is so sad. And, and it goes a step further because, because the reflection of his parents kind of recognize, no, she, Lily's reflection recognizes this like struggle that Harry's having. The kind of like heartbreak of seeing his parents recognizing that they're dead, but they're here. They're looking. And so she places a hand on his shoulder that's supposed to be comforting. And, uh, and Harry reaches up and there's nothing there. And and my note says, ugly crying. Ugly sobbing. I, I was watching this today and for some reason, like, watching this, like, knowing that we were going to talk minute through minute, like, I think this moment made me more emotional than I expected it than to. Than you thought it was going to. Yeah. 
Yeah, this is really like it's really, it's really sad. sad moment. Again, you have to remember he's only eleven, and mm-hmm. he's never known his parents. And this is a this sad is probably thing. the first time he's ever seen his parents. In the book, they describe this scene as like he looks at her, and then he takes a minute and he recognizes, oh, her eyes are like mine. No, not only are they the same color, they look like, like mine. The shit, Wait, like and his like mine. his hair is disheveled like mine, and. And that old man, because we see his whole family, like, extended, that old man even looks like it has the same knobbly knees that I have. Like, he's yeah. recognized, like, yeah. oh, this is, these are the potters. The potters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, it's super touching. Um, even my chocolate frog card says the Potter family, because it's referencing more to the book and not the movie. Yeah. And I like that. It is his family. Is all, are all the Potters gone? There is no Potters around. Yeah, I, you're I right. We talked about it this up in the past. And, and his parents had already passed. The James has they died of dragon pox. Yeah, and he has no siblings. That sucks. So there is no Potters alive anymore. He is the last Potters one. alive. That's sad. Oh, that is really sad. I mean, you're the last in your line of of a wizarding family that was that a really well known, respected time. one. Yeah. yeah, they're very wealthy. He's just all left on Harry's shoulders. Poor kid. Poor kid. Yeah. Ugly crying. <laughs> You're so mean. <laughs> My, uh, I have another note that says, that says reflections, comma, sentient, and then mere sentient. Like, because the reflections, the reflections are projections of Harry's emotional, st- of, of Harry's desire, but they react to him. Yeah, like they're really there. Mm-hmm. Kind of weird. A little more lifelike than I would expect. Yeah, and then, uh, definitely. The mirror itself, the ability to take in this information from Harry and reflect it back, I I feel like is more... It, it feels sort of conscious... In a way, it's it's like it's making the decision. It's making decisions to do because it's reading. It's like the Sorting Hat. You know how the Sorting Hat we talked about was imbued. Each of the each of the founders imbued a little bit of their intelligence into the hat, Mm -hmm. so the hat would be able to like look into the potential of the person. Right. I I feel like whoever created this, if if um, Norman, you mentioned yesterday, I think about like it sort of has like a legitimacy kind of quality to it. And if the person who created it was a legilimens and imbued it with a little bit of themselves per se, uh, in order to like take that information in and reflect it, it, it shows a level of, this isn't just like a stagnant object. Right. But I don't, yeah, I don't. It can, it can react and respond to, someone being in front of it and as we yeah. see in the end multiple people being in front of it at the same time mhm and uh it it it's more sophisticated than like than like the put outer where you like click a button and it has a physical reaction like this is this is drawing from thought and something deeper than just like a surface visibility yeah and part of the reason that I think the idea of hiding something in the mirror doesn't have to have anything to do with Dumbledore making a modification yeah. is the way that we've seen mind magic interacted with 
in the story beyond this with the pensive and occlumency and legilimens and the way that it's described and the way that it's interacted with. I, I feel like there's no reason that the mirror of Erised can't be a place to hide things as it stands. I agree with that. Yeah. I, 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 before reading the little bit on Pottermore that, that mentions Dumbledore fiddling with it, I did not get any impression that, this object wasn't made to do this in the first place or have the ability to do this in the first place. Yeah. And it's an ancient and powerful magical object. It having multiple uses and multiple abilities makes sense to me. Yeah, I agree with that. I wonder what other weird old magic things are lurking in the Room of Requirement. Who made this? Why was it in the Room of Requirement? Why is it in Hogwarts in the first place? I don't know. (laughs) Did one of the founders make it? Did Rowena Ravenclaw make it? We don't know. Maybe. No, I think think the book talks No, not the book. I think this is more Pottermore- drivel the the pottermore seems to talk about how yeah uh talks about um different professors and people that work at hogwarts coming across artifacts as they travel and bringing them back either to showcase them to their their teachers or to uh or to quite to ask questions about them like hey i don't really understand this object but i found this thing and like what do you think it does Kind of bringing it back for study. And then um, I think the idea of it being lost in the room of requirement for over a century is, is interesting. I, I have brought this up before to you, Victoria, but the idea that like Hogwarts Castle is bigger than bigger than it needs to be for its purposes of like housing all the students and all the staff. Like there could be some secret thing that no one knows about lurking around any corner. At any moment, you could open a door and discover something that hasn't been interacted with in a long time i i think in in one of the books dumbledore makes a joke that like at one point he found like a bathroom that he didn't know existed because he really needed to i wonder if the i don't know but that may know. have been the room of requirement that might have been room presenting of itself as a bathroom about, exactly i was thinking about that too and i was like oh like that happened pretty early on but maybe that's like the first sign of yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I definitely do get the impression Hogwarts seems to be too big for the number of students that we see moving about the castle. How many students do we see in the Great Hall during a feast? It's like it's only like four hundred, maybe. Yep, there are four hundred extras on the dot. Uh, well, not on the oh. dot, but like approximately four hundred extras. Your your guess is is so spot on. Well, I was just guessing based on like how long those tables were and like how many kids <laughs> it looks like there are on each side. And yeah, fifty yeah. per. 50 per each side of a table seemed about right. There's about 400 extras, but I don't think that's enough. I still don't think that's enough students. But even so, I think Hogwarts is much bigger than it needs to be for... Even if it was like like a standard high school of like 25, 3,000 people. Like, Hogwarts is a castle. Yeah. It is I mean, the dormitories huge. don't look big enough for 100 kids. No. Uh... No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Each of the particular rooms seems to house only like a handful of students. And yeah, the common rooms aren't very big. No. I don't know. And the common room is for all... Is for the whole All house. years. I would think so. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't know. How well, that's, design. Just the, that's just the uh, common room. Does that mean each dormitory girls they get their own like? Well, yeah. First in year, second in year, later in later movies, we'll see the boys like hanging out in the common room or in their dormitory together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's just a group of like five of them in each of them. But I don't know. The Gryffindors live in like a in in Gryffindor Tower. It's referenced a couple times. So. I always assume that, like, this is just one of the, like, you go up to the boys' dormitory and this is one floor. But if you keep going, there's, like, multiple floors for multi- for all the students of the different grades or whoever. Like, I don't know. Right. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I would like, imagine there are more than these five moments for, in this movie. Gryffindors. Because yeah. in this movie, but, like, in these moments, like here, it looks like there's maybe a dozen beds in that room at most. I think, um, I probably less. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see the room at the end, um, of the minute when Harry goes to wake up Ron. But I think it, I think there are only five beds on the floor that Harry's, like, that Harry's bed is on. Like, I think that room is five. And it's Harry, Ron, Neville, Seamus, and Dean Thomas. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 I don't think that's the only. I don't think there's only the five Gryffindor first years. I'm not boys. I'm not sure. I don't know. I always got the impression that there are more students that are that were just not interacting with. Yeah, you because, just don't see him. Yeah, like Amanda. I mean, the yeah, way the like movie Amanda. is put together, I could buy there only being like 400 students. Yes, yes, the way the movie's set up, I definitely get that impression as well. Because, I mean, no class looks bigger, no individual class that we see looks bigger than 25 or 30. Yeah. Uh, except for Charms. Charms looks like a pretty big class. It's interesting because the Charms classroom is the only classroom set that's in an actual real school. School Like, they used various, uh, like, real locations to shoot in. But I think the Charms classroom is the only one that actually resides in an actual, like, school building. Which is interesting. I liked the Charms classroom. We talked a little bit about the design of it. There's, like, letters etched into the walls. It almost feels... I've always felt the Charm classroom kind of looks almost like a church or, like, a basilica. It's got a very, mm. like, domed... It's got a very, like, vaulted ceiling kind of sacred place kind of vibe to it, the way they're all seated. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, it's kind of like, um, uh, my brain is grabbing at the word pulpit, but that's not right. But they're sort of, um, they're set up in single rows. Of, they're not like individual chairs, but like a row of seats. Yeah. They kind of, uh, like pews in a church. But they're all along the walls. They are. So it's a very interesting room. Mm-hmm. There's I a like lot their... of uh, interesting locations that we see. Yeah. I mean, getting back to talking about the minute, I yeah. I like that this this movie really goes a long way towards building the relationships between our our three primary characters, mm-hmm. and just enough for Neville that at the end it makes sense. Uh. I, I always felt like they could have done more with Neville in this yes, movie. Yes, I agree. But I feel like they do just enough to make him feel like he is kind of a part of the group. 
Yeah, but- we do see him fairly often, and Harry is already... Uh, the reason that the trio met was because Hermione was trying to help out Neville. And then... Trying to find his toad. Mm-hmm. And then we see Neville get Trevor in front of McGonagall, and then the Remember All scene. So mm-hmm. Harry catches the Remember All in order to, like, stand up for Neville after Neville gets hurt. Like, they're definitely, like, integrating him into their group without him being present in every scene. I think... Yeah. The only, like, so far, the only big difference in the Neville story um, in the movie versus the book is that when our trio finds Fluffy for the first time, Neville is with them. Um, yeah. But otherwise, like, yeah, yeah because I, I, I agree with you what you're saying, about... but they definitely give him enough to do. Yeah. I, th- I think you guys talked about it with Cassandra that the challenges seem to be set up, including Neville. Yes, 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 yes. We talked about this, um, Victoria, we talked about this a little bit because the it seems that each of the the kind of trial, no, I don't want to say trials, but each of the, um, the, the tasks that they have tasks. to get through in order to get to the mirror at the end seem to be like designed for a specific student. And the first one, the venomous tentacula would make the most sense for Neville because he has an interest in herbology. Yeah. Yeah. Which I like. I like that he has an interest in herbology. It sets him apart kind of like Mm -hmm. he definitely has something that he's really good at. And sure, it might not be the most glamorous thing in the world to be really good at, but like he found his niche right away. Yeah. And more power to him. I think it's great. I actually like it a lot. I'm sad that we don't get any Professor Sprout in this movie. Do you suppose him and Sprout like have like a really good relationship? Yeah, does he like, become the herbology teacher? Yeah. So does she like retire? I would assume so. Yeah, she retired. And he became a teacher. Yeah. There you go. Good I like him. that. Right? Me too. Yeah. Professor Longbottom yeah. makes me so happy. Professor Long, I- give Professor Longbottom our love. I'm not going to give it Professor Love. <laughs> that seems so funny. Uh, uh, the point I was the point I was trying to make is that uh, I appreciate the lengths this movie goes to to building the relationships of the the main trio because the first thing Harry does when he finds an image of his parents is goes and finds Ron. He's like, I got to show Ron. I got to show mm-hmm. my best friend. And mm-hmm. that's such a, it's such a personal private thing that the fact that he immediately shares it with another person and that person is Ron is very telling of how he feels about Ron. Yeah. It is. Ron's his best friend. It is his best friend. It's very cute. I like that he's so eager. The The book doesn't do this. In the book... Harry tells Ron about the mirror the next day, and he's like, why didn't you take me? I like that in the movie, he's so enthused by the mirror and what he sees in the mirror that he goes and wakes Ron up and is like, you have to come with me right now. I have to show you now. Like, get out of bed. We have to go look at this. I need you to see my parents. And here's another way in which Harry is not a Ravenclaw, because his first thought wasn't, I'm going to go get my smart friend. Well, Hermione's gone. She's yeah, it's Christmas. This is over winter break, oh, yeah. so she's yeah, not there. Yeah, it's still winter break. I wonder if and he never gets a chance to show her the mirror because nope. it's moved before the end of Christmas break. I feel like Hermione would have been fascinated by this. Yeah, she would have looked at it and saw herself <gasps> as like. What do you think she would have seen? Headmaster of Hogwarts. 
Minister of Magic. No, no, just because that happens. <laughs> no, in them. Uh, no, definitely I something you, like, I like very, that. very high. You know, great goals and and uh, you know, or, or perhaps because she's uh, perhaps because she's Muggle-born Prime Minister. Interesting, because a Prime Minister is like kind of like they though that there's like that relationship that's between yeah the Prime Minister, the Minister, Minister of Magic, Magic and the Prime Iraq, Minister. But if she is in the Muggle community serving. Kind of is the balance between wizard yeah. and muggle kind. She would do really well. Yeah. I like that. So e- either way, she would probably say Definitely I, not a dentist like her parents. Honestly, <laughs> I do I do really like that Cursed Child in one of the... In a, like that, that she's the Minister of Magic in the future. It makes sense for her, I think. In the prime yeah. timeline, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. what I was going to... I was like, in one of the iterations one of the yeah like the main the, the prime main timeline mm-hmm. i pretty recently read oh. that and honestly i couldn't quite finish it but it's it's i strange. gave up i, I kind of liked the back to the future two part vibe of cursed child it was interesting i think hermione was one of the most interesting characters to see in like all her different iterations yeah uh i just i had problems with some of the reveals yeah yeah there's, um, and I don't, I don't want to spoil them because it's a little I think, I think people should read it, uh, and reserve their, reserve their own judgment. Yes, uh, I agree. It was not my cup of tea. <laughs> if anyone has read it, Victoria and I talked about Cursed Child in one of our Quibbler episodes, so people can go check that out. That was fun. I think we, we just, still we have just did the discussion. trolley witch part. No, we, we had another. Did we? I think we had another episode that we spent a good like twenty minutes talking about Crush Child. Okay, but it wasn't the focus of the episode, right? But still, it happened. Maybe when you get to like near the end of one of these movies, it'd be fine to talk about it more. But I feel like there's still quite a few Harry Potter fans out there that probably haven't read it. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think that we definitely have a lot of material for. I think we're gonna keep the Quibbler going over our hiatus, and so uh, we're thinking about. That's definitely one of the things that I think we want to talk about and touch on. It's like really go into that. It'll be interesting. Yeah. I think. So, the my last note is just Harry. Harry goes to wake Ron up. Is Ron the only other boy of their of their dormitory that is still there over break? Over break? I think probably. So. That room looks. Pretty empty. I would assume that that must and be the case because so otherwise, loud. yeah, Harry comes in invisible, yelling, "Ron, Ron, you have to!" And like, this. T- yeah, he's kind of like he's yanks the cloak he's off invisible, like, like mm-hmm. and not everybody knows that he has that. Only Ron right now knows yeah. because it was a Christmas only present. Ron knows. You're right. So only Ron knows. Yeah, he just got it yeah. today. It's Christmas I don't, day. And I don't it's think Christmas he night. wants everyone to know that he has it. So I feel like he yeah. knows there's no one else in there mm-hmm. but Ron. Like, in I don't the care. book, when he gets the cloak, uh, the Weasley twins show up and he like hides it before they come in. Yeah. He doesn't want anyone. He doesn't want anyone to know. Yeah, because the Weasley twins would definitely want to use it for their. Well, they'll know. They know things. later. No, yeah. they know later. They know in uh, Prisoner of Azkaban because they like catch him trying to sneak mm-hmm. away to Hogsmeade. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they he's he's definitely keeping it on the hush hush. On the DL DL. Okay, <laughs> I think that was everything I had for minute ninety four. Ninety four. All right. 
Well, if that's the case, then thank you guys for joining us for another minute of Harry Potter, uh, Harry Potter minute. Uh, you can join us tomorrow for minute 95 and, um, you can find us on Facebook and we have a Facebook page that's Harry Potter minute, but we've also got a group, uh, Harry Potter minute and the listeners army, which is a, uh, fun little community discussion page where we talk about content of the, the content of the minute and the movie and, uh, people have shared quizzes and memes and images and all sorts of there's been a lot of good discussion there i really like all the people that we've been interacting with and meeting through the podcast and so if you'd like to talk to us and tell us where we went wrong you can follow us at harry potter minute and the listener's army and you can join us tomorrow for minute number 95 of harry potter and the sorcerer's stone all right mischief, mischief managed <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> he just comes in at the end yeah